0: the bombing in Afghanistan, and the still-worsening pandemic. Today we'll discuss the Indiana impact of these two global tragedies as we go one-on-one with Congressman Andre Carson and Larry Bouchon, Senator Mike Braun, and Senator Bernie Sanders, who was here in Indiana this week. Plus, the battle over infrastructure and what a new poll says about crime in Indianapolis. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. We will not forget. We will hunt you down and make you pay. President Biden speaking to the nation Thursday evening after the attack in Afghanistan that killed more than a dozen members of the U.S. military and 60 Afghan civilians. I am disgusted and angry with the leadership uh, in this country, starting with the president right now. We knew this was going to happen. As I've talked to other veterans out in the district where I'm at right now, Uh, we knew that something like this was going to happen. And my fear right now, and I pray that this doesn't happen, but my fear is that something else is going to happen. Congressman Greg Pence there. We're going to have more reaction from Indiana's congressional delegation today as the evacuation continues. Indiana's Republicans putting out a joint statement critical of the president's handling of the crisis. We're also following the latest on the global pandemic and the impact here in Indiana. The FDA giving full approval to the Pfizer vaccine this past week as the situation continues to worsen here in the Hoosier state. Good morning, a number of big stories to cover this week. As you see here, coronavirus cases have been steadily climbing across our state in recent weeks, but still no new restrictions from health officials here in Indianapolis. Our Bianca Reyes spoke with Marion County Health Director Dr. Virginia Kane this past week.
1: Right now, I'm not looking at imposing any greater restrictions uh, with the exception of just trying to recommend to school systems, please encourage your staff and your employees to get vaccinated. What metrics is the county looking at when it comes to deciding
2: if or when more restrictions are needed for the county?
1: So here's the thing. This is a new variant. And so it doesn't always act like we did. Uh, for the original strain. So we don't look at just one metric that we choose that we're going to trigger this. We have to look at multiple metrics.
0: State officials also looking at the metrics closely as they explained in a press briefing on Friday.
2: I think we are fully expecting and preparing that things are going to get much worse with, with our hospitalizations here in the next four weeks.
0: Hospitalizations have been on the rise here and across the country. As you see here, those numbers are specifically climbing sharply. Among the unvaccinated, that's what you see in the top line. The green line there at the bottom represents hospitalizations among people who are vaccinated, increasing somewhat, slightly, but at a much, much slower rate. This is the FDA gives full approval to the Pfizer vaccine, something I spoke about on Wednesday with Indiana Congressman Larry Bouchon. You're a member of Congress, but you're also a doctor. What will this mean in terms of getting shots out to more people across the country and here in Indiana? Yeah.
3: Well, first of all, I do think it's important to get full approval. As you know, we were under an emergency use authorization, and I think that made a lot of people uh, nervous about getting the vaccine. Uh, So I'm very hopeful that full FDA approval, which comes with a rigorous evaluation of the vaccine, will encourage people to get the vaccine.
0: We also heard this week that the Pentagon will be requiring the vaccine for U.S. service members. What are your thoughts on that move?
3: Well, I'm a little ambivalent about it. I mean, I don't believe in government mandates. I don't believe the federal government should be telling citizens uh, what to get as far as medical therapy. But on the other hand, you know, the Department of Defense is a unique organization that defends the country. And I think uh, from that standpoint, I understand why they why they're doing it. Uh, But more broadly on mandates, I don't believe in federal mandates uh, for medical therapy.
0: Speaking of our military, obviously, the situation in Afghanistan continues to be front and center this week. We're approaching this August 31st deadline next week. Republicans and some Democrats have been critical of the president's handling uh, when it comes to that deadline specifically and the way this has all taken place. What are the solutions here? What do you want to see done to to make this situation uh, happen as, as, as best as possible right now?
3: Well, first of all, I want to thank all our veterans that have been over there fighting and defending uh, our country and, and along with our allies for over 20 years. Your efforts aren't, aren't in vain. We've kept our country safe. I just want to say that out front. Thank you, veterans and their families. Uh, you know, I, I think it's right now focused on an evacuation mission. We had a briefing yesterday in Washington, and we need to know how many Americans are there, how many of our allies are there and Afghan citizens that helped us. I think I'm pretty skeptical that we can get everybody out by August 31st. And that's not a partisan issue. We have bipartisan members of Congress telling the administration to reconsider a hard deadline. And the deadline should be when all of our citizens are out of the country and safe. So we'll see where that goes. Um, I'm skeptical though, that we can uh, make this happen by August 31st.
0: We'll see how it all plays out here in the days to come. We're also following a lot of news in Congress this week. Uh, there was a vote on the reconcil- reconciliation package passed by Democrats uh, and all tied in with the infrastructure bill that that will likely now be voted on within the next month. Your reaction yeah. on what we saw this week uh, from, from Democrats in the House?
3: Yeah, well, I, I think the focus was wrong. And let me just say that out the out front. I think they called us back to vote on things not related to what's happening in Afghanistan. And I think we should have been focusing on uh, Congress doing everything we can to make sure That we have the ability to get all our citizens out that said this was a budget resolution that had to pass so that the democrats can try to push through uh, a lot of their policies there's a long way to go i think there's a lot of democrats who voted for the budget resolution who don't support a lot of the policies so i i'm uh, really skeptical that we can they can get this across the finish line i don't support it because it's a massive expansion of all kinds of federal programs Um, that costs a lot of money.
0: All right, my interview there with Congressman Larry Bouchard. And this week, our Kristen Eskow spoke with two U.S. senators about this infrastructure debate and about the situation in Afghanistan. Senator Bernie Sanders was here in the Hoosier State this week. Kristen spoke with him and with Indiana Senator Mike Braun.
1: How do you sell this $3.5 trillion budget plan in a state where most of the people's congressional delegation doesn't support it? Well,
3: it's interesting, and that's a good question. Uh, in, In Washington, we have zero support. Uh, from the Republicans, zero for this bill. On the other hand, what we see is that working class Republicans all over this country do support the bill.
1: And will it be paid for through tax increases? Sure it
3: will. But the tax increases are going to go on the wealthiest people in this country. And for too long, we have given massive tax breaks to billionaires. There are some billionaires out there who, in a given year, pay zero in federal income
0: tax.
4: If you want more federal government, and you're willing to borrow the money to do all the stuff that's laid out there, um, Bernie's probably your guy. He definitely believes in that.
1: I want to get your reaction to House Democrats reaching a deal this week to move forward with the infrastructure bill as well as the budget bill.
4: That is no surprise to me because Speaker Pelosi has said these two are connected from the journey of a couple months ago in, in terms of where we're going to arrive at. And the compromise, I think, was with some of the few moderates in her party, that they'll get a vote on the hard infrastructure bill by the end of September. And that, to me, still means they're linked at the hip.
0: Kristen Eskow there with Senators Mike Braun and Bernie Sanders. Also this week, I spoke with Congressman Andre Carson about several big issues in the news, including Afghanistan and these infrastructure bills moving through Congress. And on Thursday, I asked him if he was comfortable with the price tag of the $3.5 trillion house spending bill. I think
5: it's premature to draw a line in the sand over the numbers that have yet to even be written. But the budget resolution that's on the House floor, that was on the House for this week, ended up getting the full support of a lot of folks, even the progressive caucus. So, you know, I, I think trying to figure out numbers that will satisfy various House priorities and, and philosophies and satisfy the Senate is very hard to determine at this point. But what is clear is that we have to address our country's infrastructure needs uh, going into the future. I mean, this is a robust bill. It's bipartisan in nature, and it sets to create 15 to 20 million jobs over the next decade.
0: Congressman uh, Bouchard also said he thought the House should be focused right now on the situation in Afghanistan. We, we are approaching that August 31st deadline next week amidst these reports of an explosion outside the airport in Kabul, Thursday morning, another Indiana Republican Congressman Jim Banks, an Afghanistan veteran, said this about the situation there this past week.
4: If any American is harmed, injured, or killed and not safely evacuated out of Afghanistan, or if any of these weapons or this military equipment is used to harm, injure, or kill an American now or at any time in the future, the blood is on Joe Biden's hands. What's
5: your response to that? Well, look... President Biden, um, he he joined a, a virtual meeting uh, with with G seven leaders to discuss con, you know continuing our close coordination on Afghan, Afghanistan's policies, you know, humanitarian assistance, and evacuating our U S citizens, and you know supporting the brave Afghans who stood with us over the last two decades. Um, I think that our global partners understand that. The mission in Kabul will end based on the achievement of our objectives. You know, we're currently on pace to complete our mission by the 31st of August this month. And we, you know, we want to evacuate Americans who want to come home and uh, third country nationalists and Afghans who were our allies during the war. We saw the explosion a few, uh, we saw the explosion that took place. Uh, 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 in Kabul at the airport, uh, which signals to us that we need all hands on deck, firstly to secure Americans who are currently there over 1500 to get them back safely to their families, but also those refugees who are fleeing Uh, the country as we speak, we have to make sure we have a safe pathway for those folks as well.
0: Congressman Andre Carson there in an interview Thursday morning this week, we did hear from Governor Holcomb about the possibility of Indiana taking in refugees from Afghanistan. Here's what he had to say.
3: We are um, here to help um, refugees who were there for us. This, this state is grateful For the last 20 years, when bullets were flying and people were dying for folks who were in harm's way. So it wouldn't come here like it did 20 years ago.
0: Now in a statement, the governor added Indiana grieves alongside the world on the loss of the 13 U.S. service members who put their lives on the line. He says as a country and as a state, we need to be unified in honoring and paying our respects to the ones who paid the ultimate price. Well, coming up next to Sunday in Focus, more reaction to the crisis in Afghanistan. We'll talk about the impact here in Indiana and for the president and his approval numbers. Then later, what do Hoosiers think of the rising crime numbers in Indianapolis? Another new poll out today. We'll look at those numbers coming up later this morning. Welcome back. Polling from CBS News last week before the attack in Kabul showed most Americans think the withdrawal from Afghanistan was already going very badly or somewhat badly. Well, 63 percent approved of removing U.S. troops, just 47 percent approved of Prev- President Biden's handling of that process. I'm joined now by our panel, Jennifer Wagner, Mike Murphy, Laura Wilson, Adam Wren. Jennifer, let's talk about the, that poll there. It was taken before the tragic events Thursday in Afghanistan. So this is quickly becoming something of a political crisis for the president, but it's obviously a very real crisis for those who are on the ground still in Afghanistan.
1: It absolutely is, is both of those things. But I think if we look at those polling numbers again before those absolutely devastating images that came out of Afghanistan late last week, you see the split that everyone is feeling right now. We can't keep investing time and, and, and people and everything that we've invested in over the last 20 years in Afghanistan. People want to put an end to that. At the same time, we have this very real human component we have these refugees that we need to get out we have Americans we need to get out and you know it's it's not a it's not a good image for the president at the same time you know we also need to give it some time to see if we can actually complete the mission and make sure that we have those people out of the country Um, it's not a good situation for anyone
0: let's turn to former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy Mike your thoughts on all this and what what might we see here in the coming days
4: well, if I knew what we we're going to see in the next few days, I'd be a multi millionaire and I'd be uh, you know, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or something. But um, I, I frankly see more chaos. Uh, we don't know how many of the 1500 or so Americans who are still in Afghanistan really want to come home. Sometimes they want to stay and we just don't know. So there may be some leftovers even after the best efforts to get them out. But politically. Generally speaking, presidents don't win or lose elections on foreign policy. The last one I can think of that, that really tanked his career because of foreign policy was Johnson in the Vietnam War. So everything is a matter of timing. It is now 2021. We won't have a presidential race for three more years. I, I, I don't want to say this will be forgotten because I hope it's never forgotten, But I think there'll be a lot of other issues between now and 2024 that will have a bigger impact.
0: let's turn to Dr. Laura Wilson from the University of Indianapolis. We spoke earlier, Laura, about the infrastructure bill, the spending package. Do you get the sense that this Afghanistan crisis or other issues could leave the president in a position where he has far less political capital to get some of these other agenda items across the finish line this year?
2: I'm afraid it absolutely will have that impact for his agenda. And and let's be clear, this is a horrific series of events. My heart goes out to people who are directly impacted by it. I've, in terms of what he wants to accomplish, this isn't what he expected presumably to happen. This isn't what he wants to be talking about. He had a pretty rigorous agenda set forward. And yet, when we look at what's unfolding here, I do think he's losing a tremendous amount of political capital. And you can, we can talk about, election and voters, and they tend to have short memories, though I agree. I hope it's never forgotten. Uh, but in terms of what's going on right now, policy-wise, people know about this. This is top on their mind, and not just, of course, for voters and people who are constituents calling in, it's to the elected officials right. who are going to work with or against Joe Biden on some of these major policy issues.
0: Finally, insiders, Adam Rand. Adam, we heard from some Republican members of Congress who had a lot to say about the president's handling of the situation. We also heard from Governor Holcomb who was more focused on the tragedy itself and the situation with these refugees saying under the right conditions, Indiana would be willing to help out.
6: Sure. I was struck, Dan, by the joint statement put out by Indiana's congressional delegation, the Republican members. In some ways, it was more critical of of President Biden than it was of ISIS-K, which, you know, is believed to have perpetrated the attack. And, you know, there, there wasn't a lot of lag time between the president's speech and, and, and their statements. So you have to wonder what sort of happened to the concept of, of national unity today. And, of course, Governor Holcomb you know, taking a very different uh, approach uh, to refugees uh, than his predecessor, Governor Mike Pence, who, who sort of resisted uh, Indiana receiving more of those.
0: And Jennifer, I want to ask you about the governor as well, but on a different topic now, as we talk about the pandemic. He has been praised by people on both sides for his overall approach. We haven't had bans on mask mandates here as we have in some other red states, but also Democrats this week have been critical of the governor for not being part of these COVID-19 briefings going on about uh, five months now, the media briefings, another briefing Friday with the health commissioner, but without the governor. Do you think he needs to get in front of this more than he has of late?
1: You know, not to go against, you know, my own party and their talking points, but I actually don't need to hear from Eric Holcomb at these briefings. Um, He has, from the outset of the pandemic, uh, I think rightly set aside himself. He didn't want to be in the spotlight and deferred to the experts like Dr. Box. And I don't really need to hear from him. Um, I I trust him to trust the people who know what's going on and to ultimately make his decisions based on their input.
0: Mike, do you uh, agree with the governor's approach here? And do you think there's a point as the situation escalates where we may see him uh, discuss uh, some of these issues more publicly?
4: In all cases, there's, there's opportunity and there's also danger. You know, we're at the point now where those who are not vaccinated are those who are not going to get vaccinated, no matter what incentives you offer. Um, I thought the governor has done a, a good job and was, has been reasonably present during this entire crisis. But you don't want to get in a position where you're held hostage by it, as Jimmy Carter literally was uh, during the Iran hostage crisis. He didn't leave the White House there's a lot more going on in Indiana, a lot more things, a lot more decisions have been made in policies pursued pursued than just the uh, the uh, pandemic.
0: And, and Laura, as we've uh, mentioned, Governor Holcomb's position on a lot of th- these issues related to the pandemic, certainly uh, quite different than, say, the governor of, of Texas or, or Florida, where, where we should point out the numbers have actually been much worse here in recent weeks than here in Indiana.
2: Oh, absolutely. And I, I think it's fascinating because we've Seen a lot of tension and conflict between our governor and our state legislature, as you've seen play out in some of these other states, but the governor has has played it very smoothly, I think, in terms of exerting this leadership, having a presence and and also kind of balancing some of the different issues, agendas and values. It's the reason why our numbers aren't great, but they're not awful, but also you don't hear about Indiana as, oh my goodness, look what's going on nationally. Um, We're not in the spotlight, and that's really a good thing.
0: And Adam, quickly here, the governor uh, winning another battle in court over this uh, bill dealing with his emergency powers.
6: Yeah, you know. This is a pretty significant string of losses for the attorney general. And on Friday, um, rather than be in his office, he was in West Lafayette at a hotel with Mike Braun uh, doing counter-programming to Senator Bernie Sanders. Um, And you have to wonder what the Democrats' $3.5 trillion uh, budget deal.
0: Okay. All right. We lost Adam there, but we will have more with the panel coming up. With this week's winners and losers, also ahead, what do Hoosiers in our capital city think of the rising crime numbers in Indy? We'll tell you what a new poll has to say about that next. What do Hoosiers in our capital city think of the rising crime numbers in Indy? Our friends at IndyPolitics.org have a new poll out today. Among the findings, 4% of people believe prosecutor Ryan Mears bears the most responsibility. 8% blame the judicial system, 9% IMPD, 15% blame Mayor Joe Hogsett. Twenty-three percent blame the criminals themselves, while thirty-one percent say society as a whole bears the most responsibility. Those who took the poll were also asked, "Do you feel that Indianapolis or Marion County is more or less safe than it was a year ago?" Sixty-three percent said it was less safe; just twenty-one percent said it was more safe.
3: When we put that question out there, I wanted to see where the where the blame would be on the crime problem. Because frankly, um, I thought it would be the criminals would be number one, but it was actually society—thirty-one percent. The criminal like 25, 26 percent. And then uh, third uh, was the mayor at 15.
0: You can read more at indiepolitics.org. We'll have a link on our website as well. Stick around. We're back with this week's Winners and Losers next.
6: Time for this week's Winners and Losers. Adam, I'll start with you. Just one loser this week, Dan, and that's Representative Jim Banks, who seems more angry with, uh, with his fellow Republicans investigating the, the January 6th event than the insurrections who perpetrated it. Jennifer.
1: Yeah, I don't know who needs to hear this out there among the Republicans, but um, when you are a governor and you are actually limiting uh, power of the government that is closest to the people or like schools, um, yeah, you're going to be the biggest loser, and that's Ron Santos this week.
4: Mike? I think the big winner has to be Eric Holcomb in his legal battle. Um, He's hitting, uh, he's hit four home runs in a row, and his opponent has uh, struck out every time at bat. Uh, The loser has to be leaders in both the Republican and Democratic parties who somehow refuse to learn the lessons of history. They just repeat them over and over and over again. They're big mistakes. Laura.
2: I only have losers this week and those that are co-opting these events for claim and blame. There's a lot of political divisiveness going on right now, but we stand united. Divided is when we fall.
0: All right, we got to leave it there. Much more ahead on Fox News Sunday and Face the Nation. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.